Hey everyone, and welcome to SermonCast, where we share just the message portion of our past week's service. We hope this gives you the opportunity to better digest the teaching, whether you're listening to it again or for the first time. And now, this week's message. We've been marching through the fruit of the Spirit, and their singular fruit of the Spirit, there are several aspects that we've been talking about. Today is... Faithfulness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness is today. I think this one must be close to the heart of God because God gave us a mascot to remember faithfulness. That mascot, I believe, is a dog. They are just faithful and loyal friends. Now, not like God, but still he gave us a picture of faithfulness. We put down our golden on Friday and have had a whole weekend to really reflect on, man, loyal love, uh, faithfulness. Um, and it's like, man, God, you gave us this picture in these, these pets that we have um, of faithfulness. So I've had a chance to kind of kind of merge my life together as I'm working on this sermon and I'm just thinking about Willow and it's like, yeah, that's a pretty good picture. Pretty good reminder of faithfulness. We all have virtues, we all have vices that we deal with and and I think God uses animal, the animal kingdom to help us understand some of these virtues so we can have a, a little better picture. And, and the Bible actually uses animals in in it to help us understand innocence innocent as a dove right and if you if you observe a dove you see wow that's a there's a beauty beautiful innocence about a about a dove shrewd as a serpent what's so shrewd about a serpent you know they they're really smart they what no you think about a serpent has to stick his neck out every move he makes so he's going to be pretty shrewd about what he sticks his neck out into. He'd be shrewd, like a serpent has to be shrewd. Uses that picture for us to see, you know, to be cautious. Strength of an ox. You know, we don't use oxen for plowing, but I would think if you ever tried to pull a plow yourself and turn the soil over, or in your garden, you just try to turn that soil over in the spring, you know how tough that can be. And if you had the strength of an ox to pull a plow and turn that soil over you, and you come to appreciate that strength and understand that metaphor in a, in a way that probably we don't fully recognize. The strength of an ox, bold as a lion, submissive as a lamb, fearless as a war horse, diligent as the ant. These are all metaphors. Now, unfortunately, the, when it comes to dogs, it says... Be, Jesus says, beware of the dogs, talking about the Pharisees, clearly was not thinking about Willow when he said that. <laughs> but certainly with these virtues and vices, there are, God has put the animal kingdom in, and it's actually put a characteristic in them so that we can look at and say, oh, that's, have a better understanding of that particular virtue. If you've been with us, you understand that we've been, been through the, the fruit of the Spirit. And if, I'm going to go back to kindness. And if you remember kindness, it's, it's not just this word kindness in English, but there's some, in Greek, there's some other nuances about that word. It's not just kindness, but it's useful kindness. 
Kindness would be, you can borrow my mower. Useful kindness is, you've been in the hospital, I'm going to come mow your yard. That's useful kindness. But you add one more aspect to it. It's useful kindness with a, in, a, in a context of morality. And so then you go, okay, what does that look like? It's, to me, it's uh, not just mowing somebody's yard. It's like saying, I would not do anything or say anything that would harm my spouse. That's a useful kindness that has a moral aspect to it. That's kindness. That's a fruit of the Spirit. There's a lot of dimensions to it. I think goodness has some dimensions. If you remember, I preached on that a couple or last week, I believe. And it, it's this, this goodness, but it's a good outcome. That's the kind of goodness that this is talking about. That God would produce a good outcome. And it's not only good outcome just for ourselves. It's a good outcome for the sake of others. That's, that's adding dimensions if you understand, when you understand in the word and you realize, wow, there's a lot of information in this one word, this fruit of the spirit of goodness. Well, today, I'm not going to add to faithfulness. In fact, I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to go the, to the direction of where the Greek word takes us. It goes back to the, the root word of faithfulness is faith. In Greek, it's pistis, and it means an assurance. It means a a confidence. There's a sen- certain sense of being persuaded when you think of this word faith and then faithfulness. In other words, you are fully persuaded, all in. That's what this fruit of the Spirit will do. And I hope to show you today that the more that you are understand this in yourself, you will start seeing it in others and possibly even, possibly even understand it better from God. If you haven't had a good picture of faithfulness, there's a good chance you have trouble trusting others. Good chance you have trouble trusting God. We'll take a look at unpacking that in just a little bit. There's this uh, gal named Rita Ip. Rita is a Japanese girl that went through a lot of turmoil and trials. Um, Now she has a Bible study. I think it's on your version app, I believe, is where the research department found it. And has gone through these names of God. And then Rita actually has this quote that I want to I explain to you because I think it explains this, this kind of faith that is fully persuaded. She says this, the vicissitudes of life are the training grounds of true worshipers. I think this is good because she's talking about when you go through difficult times and you can still worship God and praise God, that is, man, that is... That's rare that you can do that. If you can go through a difficult time and praise God, that's, you're in a rare group of people. That is rare air, certainly, for, for the kingdom. The vicissitudes of life are the training grounds of true worshipers, those de- whose devotion does not rely on favorable circumstances, but solely on God's unchanging goodness. That is a very powerful statement. Consider it a gift when God is your only option. Really, consider it a gift. In other words, when you're down to the point where you have to, this God is your only option. That's when you're fully persuaded that God's, if you don't come through God, this isn't going to happen. Fully persuaded. There's a difference between belief and faith. And I hope hope you'll see today that in all these aspects of the fruit of the spirit, I believe that we actually grow in these things. 
Let's take the word faith. You might start off with belief. Now, belief is not being fully persuaded. Belief is something the demons believe and, you know, but they don't, they don't, aren't fully persuaded. They don't put their trust and hope in Christ. They, but they believe in God. To their demise, they believe in God. They believe, there's a belief. So belief is not our goal. That's not the end goal. It's just being fully persuaded. And so here's an example that, to help you understand the difference. Faith is the, the kind of thing when you put one of those ropes and hook it onto a carabiner and back over the edge of a cliff, that is, you would fall to your death if, it, if this broke. That is being fully persuaded. That is the kind of faith that's talked about here. All in, fully persuaded kind of faith. Belief is basically saying, I believe this rope would hold you. That's belief. Faith is saying, not only do I think this rope will hold me, believe it will hold me, but I'm going to put it to the test. I believe it so much. That's fully persuaded. That's the kind of faith that I think the Lord is asking us. And, and that's, the, that's actually the nucleus of this word, of the, the genesis of this word, faithfulness, being fully persuaded in God's faithfulness. I think the more that you have this in you, the more that you will see that this comes through you. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And I think in this particular passage, you're going to see different aspects of God's faithfulness. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Our hosts are bringing you a Bible and you can read along. Keep this if it's as a gift from us to you also. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says this, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter this holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart in full assurance of faith. There's the first point. With our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience that our bodies and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold fast. This is the second point. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. There it is. 20, verse 24 this is the last point. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good deeds. Not neglecting the meeting together as some of their habit of doing. But, in, but encouraging one another all the more. As you see the day drawing near. You see the day drawing near? Are you encouraging one another more and more? That's what we're supposed to be doing. That God is good. God is kind. God is faithful. Hopefully we see these things in ourselves. And so we recognize them in others. And ultimately recognize them in God. Let's take a look at the first one. Draw near with full assurance. Let us. John, there with a heart of full assurance of faith. This is the kind of faith. We're not talking about belief here. We're talking about the kind of faith that straps on this rope and backs over the edge. It means fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded this Bible is God's word. I'm fully persuaded that, that the truth in this is more important than what our society says about life, about issues. I'm fully persuaded that God is good and is going to come through for you and for me, whatever that may look like. That's being fully persuaded. In order to be fully persuaded, you're going to have to trust that this, this book is true. I think we grow in this idea. 
I think the more that we uh, lean on God's word, the more we learn about God's word. And the more we learn, then the more we lean. And I will tell you, from the time that I started trusting God as a, as a pastor in certain areas about faith and trusting him for provisions, even in, during seminary, I thought those were the biggest challenges of my life, only to realize that was just the start of trusting God. And I will tell you, over time, I've learned to trust God on, and on bigger levels. But I, I didn't do that overnight. It was, it was leaning into God's word and then learning. And the more I learned, the more I lean, the more I lean, the more I learn. And I will tell you, there's a growth in that. And I think that's important to understand. And, and those that have, and that you're fully assured as you come, you kind of progress even from belief to being a faith that is fully assured. Here's a quote. You will more clearly see faithfulness in others when the faithfulness is built into you. No one famous wrote that, so don't even need to write it down. Because I just came up with it. The more clearly you see faithfulness in others is when the faithfulness is built into you. I've seen this to be true in my life. I think the converse is easier to see. So let's talk about the converse of that. And then maybe you'll see that the more clearly we see faithfulness in others is because we have faithfulness built. We have to have this faithfulness understanding in us, and then we can see it in other people. Well, the converse of this is true as well. Those of you that are parents know this to be very true. Because if you have a child that has a, I don't know, a characteristic that's... Which characteristic in your children drives you most crazy, parents. Isn't it the one that looks just like you? The ones that look like my wife don't bother me as much. I think they're kind of cute in my kids. That's kind of cute. But the one that looks like me, it's like, whoa, 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 that's got to stop. Why is that? It's because I know, I, I can see, because I have that vice in my life and I can really see it in my child's life and I don't want them to be passed on to that child so it really bothers me when I see that vice in my child but when I see the vice that's maybe a part of my wife's personality eh, it's kind of cute I see it more clearly because of experience and because of experience that I understand the damage that that, that can do so I see it in my child and I want to, it's like, oh no, we need to, we need to deal with that, right? Because it's in me, I can see it more clearly in you. I think it's true of a vice, but I think it's true of a virtue. The more I have built a faithfulness of, in my life and I understand this faithfulness, I've, I've experienced this faithfulness, then I can more clearly understand the faithfulness of God and probably more clearly trust in the faithfulness of others. Now, I would tell you in, in doing this, there's a danger. I, there's a naivety in my life that I've, I've seen. I, I tend to trust people. I just like, I just trust people. I trust their goodness. I just trust them. And what, what ends up happening, I get burned by that. And so can you. It's, but it's just because there's a trustworthiness that God has built into me. I see it. I just, I trust people. Sometimes that has a backfiring type effect. I heard an example, um, a buddy of mine went to an AA meeting years ago, and he was telling me about this guy, that he came into the AA meeting, and he basically was given all the, the kind of, well, I don't really need to be here. My, 
my wife wanted me to come here. I really don't have a problem with alcohol. And so, you know, he was kind of poo-pooing it off, this whole thing. And the guy that was running the meeting got up, went over to the guy that was making these kind of light-hearted, I don't know if I need, really need to be here. I don't have a problem. And he handed him a $20 bill and he said, you have more drink in you. Come back when you're ready to get sober. Whew. That is what I call an adult dose of truth. Now, why could this guy do that? Because he's been in these meetings for a long time and seen it possibly. But I believe that he did this because he heard that guy's comments, excuses. And he said, I've, I've done those excuses. I know where this guy's coming from. I know where he's going. And he's not ready to get well yet. And he still has a problem that he's not willing to admit. Here's 20 bucks. You got more drink in you. Come back when you're ready to get sober. See, you know, people would look at that and say, wait a minute, Pastor Gaylord, I thought you're like, there's a log in the speck. Like you're not supposed to get a speck out of your brother's eye. You're supposed to deal with a log in your own eye. That's true. I have a feeling this guy knows full well what that log looks like in his eye. It doesn't say we're not supposed to deal with the speck. In fact, because we have a log in our eye, it's be I can see that speck of vice in my child that looks like me. Because I have this log or have, have gone through this, I can see that speck in somebody else. We're supposed to deal with that lovingly, gently, graciously, all those things. But I would tell you what we've experienced in ourselves, we will often, well, it, let's be able to see it clearly in others as well. Now let's take a person that has a family, a person that grew up in a family that was uh, faithful. They trusted in the faithfulness of God. They sit around the table of their, of their, uh, at home and, and uh, maybe talk and pray about the things that are going on in their lives and never say, you know what? We are, we are all in and trusting God. Maybe they even said something like Rita Ip came up with, it considered a gift when it's God is your only option. Maybe you even sat around the table and say, you know what? Here's, here's what we're trusting God for. We believe he's faithful. believe he'll come through. And then when God comes through, we'll say, well, this is, we'll celebrate that. People that grew up in a home that had that uh, modeled, they will grow up into adults that say, you know what? I can trust in the faithfulness of God. We, I saw my parents do this. I can do this. I'm going to pass it on to my kids to do this. They trusted in the faithfulness of God. On the flip side, there are people that grew up in homes that didn't model that faithfulness. In fact, if they would describe their lives, they would say, yeah, my, my life was not about faithfulness. It was about abandonment. I got left. And I'm, tr I'm having trouble trusting anybody because I got abandoned. Not only that, but it, it's even an additive effect that I've observed. Not only do they people that have experienced life like that, but oftentimes then they turn around and they will sabotage their own life, almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of something they've already experienced because they haven't cultivated this kind of trust and faithfulness of God. You see, I think this is an additive effect. And I think there's Christians that are walking around that never really had to completely trust. God, you're my only option and has seen God come through. And when you do, I will tell you, you just learn something and you're going to lean 
and you're going to learn and you're going to lean and you're going to learn. And there's a growth that happens with that. Not perfect, but a growth. And I think that's what, I think that's a part of this whole idea of being fully persuaded. Look what the scripture says. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This idea of drawing near to a holy God and saying, God, you're my only option. And I believe I can come to you and I'm going to come to you boldly. You ask me to do that. I'm going to come boldly before your throne of grace and ask for mercy and grace because God, I believe you're faithful. Draw near with full assurance. Secondly, hold fast without wavering. There's a verse in Lamentations. I, you've all probably learned this when you were young. Um, this is the ESV version. I learned it in a different version. I'm going to read it in the ESV. It says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I learned it a little bit differently. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Anybody see the sun come up this morning? Great is his faithfulness. I'll bet you, I'll bet anybody, oh, everything I got, that there'll be a sunset tonight. And it'll come up, the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning. Right? Why? Am I a prophet? No. It's because I know that God is faithful. He's holding this, this whole thing together by the power of his word. It's a most amazing thing that I trust in the faithfulness of God. God is good all the time. He's trying to show us of his faithfulness. He wants us to run to him. Draw near with a true heart, a true heart full of assurance and faith. Full of complete confidence that God will hear, God will answer, he's going to come through. And whatever, doesn't mean it's going to work out exactly like I want it to. It means that I believe God hears and he's going to answer. Secondly, hold fast without wavering. This is this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God is trying to communicate to us. He is faithful. He will come through. It will make a difference. He will be true to his word. Whatever he said in this word, he's going to fulfill every jot and tittle and every word of it. And we have to trust that. Is it our timings different? Yeah, for sure. We have confusion about his timing and, and the way he's going to work in our lives. And he's going to do it in his will and not ours and all those things. But he is faithful and we're supposed to hold fast to that. Here's a parable that Jesus uh, told his disciples on how to pray. I'm pretty sure if you would go to a conference on prayer, I doubt if they bring this one up. This is kind of the unconventional kind of prayer. And he has an unconventional kind of application to this. Jesus said this to his disciples in Luke 18, verse 1. He said, and he told them a parable. To the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And there was a widow in that city that kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For while he refused... 
But afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not be beating down, be beating me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? You know what he's saying in this? He says, you know, if this woman could come to an unjust, unrighteous judge and get justice, how about you and I? And he's saying that when you come to God and continue to come to God and continue to pound on his door of heaven and saying, God, I need you. You're the only one that can answer this question. You're the only one that can intervene in this situation. You're the only one that has the the solution for this problem. When we come to him and continue to come to him, he will give us this justice. But it's not about the justice. It's about the faith of that person that continues to beat down that door. That woman to the unjust judge, she had faith that the only way she's going to get justice is that door. Do you have that faith? That the only way that you're going to get justice, get your answers, is through God's door? That's what Jesus is saying. And he applauded this woman's faith. She was fully persuaded that this judge was the only, her only answer. Are you fully persuaded that God is the only answer? And then are you fully, are you ready for that, that answer? It may be a delay. It may have, he may say, wait. He may, there may, may be a pause. It may not look exactly like you want it to, but be fully persuaded because that God, whatever you decide on this issue, I'm fully trusting this person, this circumstance, this situation, this marriage, this financial situation, this decision, I'm fully trusting it to you. And God, I'm going to, I trust that you're going to come through with an answer that I can, that I can understand and see. That's being fully persuaded. I think the more that we exercise this, the better, more, I think the more that we are, we're, we're tapped into the vine, but I think we can quench this by not, by just using belief. When we're fully persuaded, we are, we're backing over the edge and saying, God, this is, I'm trusting you with everything. I think that produces much fruit. And when it comes to faithfulness, I believe that God wants us to trust in his faithfulness. Finally, encourage one another continually. I think this is really important. You know, we, I'll read the passage real quick. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meeting together, some of us have of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you see the day drawing near? Do you believe that this, that we're one day closer to meeting our Lord? The Bible says, the, my, the Bible says so. They asked Jesus, when are you coming back? He said, soon. And people ask me, when's the Lord soon? When is that? I don't know, soon. That's his answer. That's all I got. It's all he gave, it's all he gave us, soon. And we have to rest in that soon, even though it, his soon is a little bit different timing than probably our soon, but he has reasons for his soon. And we learn to trust him with that. Let us consider how to stir one another up with love and good deeds. You know, today, the Bible says that in our day, in the last days, there will be 
uh, prophets will come and they will have heresies and teach false doctrines. And I will tell you, it's, I think we need to encourage each other because I know for sure I've had people that I've, I've trusted in, I've trusted in their teaching, I've, I've trusted in their view of ministry, I've trusted in the, where they're, what they believe and how they teach and I got their books and I got their tapes and I got all this stuff and then it's like all of a sudden there's things that are different. And they're not squaring with this word anymore. It's squaring with society, not this word. And it's, it's really difficult. And I've had, to, I've had to do some talking with other pastors and other people. It's like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Because this is really discouraging to me. But you know what? Jesus said this was going to happen. We have, to, we have to be able to sort this out. And we can sort this out on our own. We don't need to, we don't need to have some other pastor or some buddy else say it you are if you have in christ you are what is called the priesthood of the believer you are a priest you're a child of the living god you have every access to this word you access we have access to god's word and we can enter into the holy of holies and commune with god by the access of jesus christ who shed his blood for us and through his flesh it says we have this access to god you don't need a priest, you don't need a pastor, you don't need anything else. You got God's word in you and your, the spirit of God in you. And when you see something in this word that is not square with the world, you say, okay, this does not. But you have that in you to understand, I believe God is trustworthy and God is true and he is faithful. And he said that I could come to him, I can draw near to him with full assurance. And God, I want to I fully understand what's going on in this, my world or in this situation or in this person's teaching. Is this square with your word? Is this what you're doing? Is this the direction? To me, those are the things we need to be doing on a regular basis and encouraging one another all the more. As you see the day drawing near. I did a little, uh, I did a little bit of uh, a deep dive. It was more binge watching. This guy named Frank Turek. Frank Turek goes to uh, college campuses and he, he talks to them and debates them about the things of God and whether, whether God is real and whether heaven and hell is real and what, all this other stuff. And so this girl stands up and she says in this one particular uh, interaction, and she said, so are you saying that you think that I'm going to go to hell? And he says, well, no, I'm, here's what I'm saying is that, you know, God, uh, you can draw near to God and you come through his son, Jesus Christ, because he made atonement for us and we have access to, to God through his son so that we can be near to God. And that's heaven. If you reject that, you will be far from God. And that's what the Bible calls hell. So you're saying that, you're, that God's going to send me to hell. And she goes, no, no, I'm not. This is, you have an opportunity to choose. And she just couldn't get this through her head about she's choosing to reject God. God has this access for every one of us. A pathway to him through his son, Jesus Christ, made it possible for a sinful man to stand before a holy God through the blood of his, the sacrifice of his son so we can stand before this holy God. Even, even come to him and, and beg him and pound on his door and ask for grace and mercy and t- boldly in this, in this time of need. Well, she, she was not convinced. And so he said, well, let me, let me give you an ex- uh, example. So I want to give credit to Frank Turek on this example. There was an auditorium of young people, boys and girls, men and women, and uh, he said, how many of you, 
young ladies in here have had a guy pursue you and you just weren't that into him. In other words, he was pursuing, maybe asking you out or maybe always trying to be around you or maybe sending flowers or maybe little notes or whatever. And you finally said, ah, okay, just want you to know this relationship's not going to go anywhere. Has anybody had that kind of relationship? And of course he joked. He said, yeah, I'm probably the, the guy sitting right next to you. Maybe, I don't know. But, but the question was a powerful one because he basically said, was this, what's the most loving thing that this guy who continues to pursue you and you've said, there's no relationship here. And you said no to this ongoing deepening of a relationship. What's the most loving thing that that guy could do? Would it be more loving for him to continue to pursue you, continue to send flowers, continue to send notes, or would it be the most loving thing for him to just say, you know what, I respect her boundaries. I respect the fact that I can't make her love me. The most loving thing he could do would it be B, him to back off and not? You know, God pursues each one of us. He's pursuing us because he loves us. He's pursuing us because we're sinful men. He's saying, I've made a sacrifice for you. And he pursues us and pursues us. But if we continue to tell him, no, no, Lord, there's not going to be a relationship here. No, Lord, I'm not interested in what your word has to say. No, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live my life this way and not your way. Then God's, what's the most loving thing for a loving heavenly father to do? Continue to pursue you when you don't want to be pursued? Or the most loving thing would be, you know what? I'm going to allow this person to... I'm going to allow this person to go. You know, I, I know that some of us in this room understand this story really well because we pushed back on God and we ran really hard. But fortunately, there was somebody praying for us. And as hard, hard as we ran, we ended up running into God. In my case, it was a brick wall. And I got my face all mashed in. That's why I still have my face kind of mashed. That's why... But I hit it really hard. And it kind of come to my senses and said, you know what, maybe, maybe God is good. Maybe he is faithful. Maybe I can come to him with this problem. And I leaned into him, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. He's faithful. He's faithful. You lean more, you learn more, and you lean more, and you learn more, and you grow in your, this faith in this understanding of God's faithfulness. I hope this morning, maybe some of you have just been saying no to God. Don't, don't forget the, the most loving thing that he could possibly probably do is say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to continue. But hopefully you got enough life left that you'll run hard enough and hit a wall hard enough to say, uh, God, on second thought, uh, would you, would you take me back? I mean, and there's this whole story about a prodigal son and God's like that. He's looking down the road, waiting for you to hit a wall and come back. Did the prodigal, did the, the father or the prodigal son, did he go chase him down? No, he didn't. He just waited and waited and waited. And when he saw him, he ran to him. Threw his arms around him. Gave him the credit card. This is my son. Oh, my love, God is faithful. Pray with me.
Well, Lord, I, I, I bet you there's someone in this room that's really struggled with your believing that you're faithful. Circumstances in life have just not led that direction. I love what this Rita Ip said, is it? It's a gift that God is our only option. That, that we hit the bottom so hard we look up and that's our only option is to look up. Lord, there might be someone in that situation even today that's been running pretty hard from you, just saying no, 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 no. And God, maybe even today, they, maybe they would try to turn and say, well, I wonder if, I wonder if this is true, that God is faithful and that God is good. Maybe they've had a bad experience at home. Maybe their parents wasn't a great experience, an example of faithfulness. And it's hard to see faithful, a faithful God when they don't have a faithful mom or dad. God, I pray that you'd bridge those gaps even today. And that person could say, maybe, maybe in a week or so, maybe a month or so, maybe a year or so, as I'm pre- presenting today, then saying, I know God is faithful. I'd be love you. Thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us in this week's Sermon Cast podcast. Remember to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss any of our content like our regular Cheyenne Hills podcast where Pastor Galen Huck and the learned Nathan Winters discuss modern issues facing Christians today. Check out our church's website at CheyenneHills.org, download our app, and most importantly, be strong and very courageous. God bless you.